Well, uh, happy Mother's Day. I, I obviously want to give a shout out to my amazing mom. She's the best. Love you, mom. Uh, shout out to my amazing wife, who's also a great mom, all right? She's the best. And a shout out to my mother-in-law, who's also amazing. So uh, I'm blessed with lots of great women in my life. Uh, we hope the mothers feel honored today. We love you. We appreciate you. I uh, hope you feel seen and loved, particularly by God. Uh, there are flowers down in the kids' hall for you as a little gift to you. Uh, we also want to recognize that today's probably pretty hard for some of you, um, a situation that you might not want to be in, or maybe you're growing up, the mother that you wish was there wasn't really, or maybe you want to be a mother and can't. We recognize there's lots of different feelings and emotions on a day like today. Uh, and so I just want you to know as well, if today's a hard day, that you're also seen and loved, uh, that God wants to meet you where you're at as well, to honor you and to bless you and to serve you. Uh, today's message is going to be <clears throat> relevant to all people, but I also hope it gives you a perspective on motherhood. I did also want to give a shout out to all my friends out there, the sons and daughters who are doing their mom a favor today. All right, welcome to City Light Church. Uh, I hope you enjoy your time this morning today. Uh, we're glad that you're here with us, and um, you may not love Jesus, but you love your mom, and I'm glad for that. Uh, this is a good first step. Uh, the most important person to love is Jesus, though, and I hope that you hear uh, his love for you this morning. I want you to know you may think you're doing your mom a favor today, and you are, but most importantly, God's doing you a favor today, right? God's brought you here to reveal his love for you, uh, and you may be just going through the motions to get through it to honor your mom, but I'm just begging you to give me 30 minutes of open ears and open eyes, and maybe, just maybe, today's the day where God radically transforms your life with his love. You came here for someone else, but God's going to give you himself. And I just hope and pray you give us the next 30 minutes of your time to listen to what God might have to say to you this morning, because I promise you this, that whatever God has to say is completely, absolutely, utterly relevant to your life, right where you're at, no matter what you're going through. So today's message is called copy-paste. Copy-paste, all right? Uh, I'm going to leave things pretty simple for you this morning. Two words, copy-paste. Everybody knows, command C, command V, all right? We all know exactly how to get this thing done. <clears throat> Life is actually very simple. I want to simplify it for you this morning that you don't have to be very original. Actually, you just need to copy-paste. Uh, the goal of our life, as we're going to see in the text this morning, is to simply copy God and paste that into our own life. Some of you are very good at this. You used to plagiarize in college. And you're an expert at taking someone else's work and applying it to your own life and situation. Copy-paste and taking credit for it. Well, I want to encourage you that although that was a negative and sinful thing, it has a positive spiritual way it can be redeemed because God would love if you copied his life, if you copied his work, if you copied his excellence and pasted it into your own life because he would even love to help you get the credit for it. It's the amazing thing that God actually wants you to plagiarize his life. God actually wants you to plagiarize his work, to take something that he has done, something that you can't do, because he's much smarter for you, and he writes better essays than you do, and he lives better life than you do. To take something that you can't do, and to apply it in your own life, and to get credit for it. This is what God wants to give you in this morning. Now, some of you are trying to copy and paste the wrong things, and this is the essential problem of your life. You're trying to copy and paste the lives of celebrities, influencers, or a certain way of life, neighbors, people that are successful in your field of business, whatever it might be. 
people around you that seem more popular, more lovable, whatever. You're trying to copy-paste other people's lives into your own life so that you can measure up and so that you can have the kind of life that they have. But every time you try to do that, no matter how you do it, it doesn't actually work out for you like it appears to work out for them. It doesn't seem to make you as happy as it appears to make them. All the while, you haven't realized yet that it's not actually making them as happy as they might appear either. When you try to copy-paste other people into your life, you end up living the wrong life, one that you were never intended to live, which is why some of you walked into this building feeling so purposeless, hopeless, maybe depressed or struggling. is because you're trying to be something that you're not, and you're trying to take someone else's path and apply it for your own, and it doesn't work. Some of you are on the flip side is you're so opposed to copying that you are living under the burden of trying to be original. You don't want to be like anybody else, so you try to be unique. You think being unique is the goal. You want to figure it out yourself. You want to carve your own path. You want to pull yourself up from the bootstraps. You want to stand out. And because you want to stand out and be unique and original, you live under the burden of always having to be unique and original. You live under the burden of trying to carve your own path to figure things out for yourself. You live under the burden of needing to be everything that deep down inside you know you simply are not. So whatever that might be for you this morning, some of you trying to copy other people's lives and apply it to your own, some of you trying to live under the burden of being super original and can't even measure up to your own expectations of yourself, I want you to know that the solution to your life is not in being original or unique, and the solution to your life is not in copying the lives of others that you envy, but the solution to your life is copying the wonderful life of Jesus and pasting that into your life. And when you begin to do that, you will actually find full life in the life that you were made to live. So go ahead and open your Bible to Ephesians chapter 5. Let's go. We're excited to hear from the Lord this morning. I have two verses for you, okay? Nice and simple. Ephesians 5, 1 through 2. It says this, Therefore be imitators, or the word we're using today, right? Copiers of God, as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. This is very simple. Let me break it down for you. There's two commands. Be imitators of God and walk in love. Those are the two things the passage is telling you to do. Very simple. There are also two clarifying phrases that are attached to each one of these commands. So be an imitator of God as beloved children. So something about being a beloved child is related to being an imitator of God. And then walk in love as Christ loved us. Something about the way Christ loved us that enables us and teaches us how to walk in love to others. And so all we're going to do is break down those two commands and their qualifying, clarifying phrases this morning. Uh, so two simple points I have for you are this. The first is to copy-paste the life of God. Copy-paste the life of God. It says, be imitators of God. To copy his character, to copy the life of Jesus. To imitate is to copy someone else, to do what they do. The essential quality of your life is really simple. It's those bracelets nobody wears anymore. You know, what would Jesus do? WWJD. This is the great question of your life. And to simply live with that kind of mindset is going to unlock the key to your existence. You are made to copy God. You are not made to copy someone else. You are made to imitate God. You are not made to imitate someone else. God is the person you are supposed to be like, and until you pursue a life like God, you will never find life itself. 
So this is what you are made for. Now, what is having, this is very important now, because I, I love when the Bible really gets deep and, and teaches us. Why? It says, be imitators of God as beloved children. So what does being a child of God or a beloved children have, have anything to do with being an imitator of God? How are these two things connected? Why does that phrase teach us anything? What is it saying? And what does being a beloved child have to do with imitating God? Well, a couple thoughts on this to help us understand more deeply how we're supposed to imitate God. The first is that because we are God's children through faith in Jesus Christ, which, just to clarify, you are only a beloved child through faith in Christ. You are not a beloved child simply because God made you. You become a beloved child through joining with Jesus. Everybody is God's creation, but not everybody is God's child. And so don't be mistaken. God wants you to be his child, and the offer is on the table this very morning that you would become his child. But you are not simply because you were made by him. So beloved children, through faith in Christ, what does being a child of God have to do with imitating God? Uh, the first thing I thought of was just connection to God. We are not strangers with God. We are not just friends with God, even though we are. We are more than those things, we are family. We have a deep connection to God as his children. We have a relational connection to God. He is our father, and we want to be like God because he is our father. And God, unlike all, even the best of earthly fathers, God has no flaws. There is nothing about God that is not worth imitating. Everything about God is worth following. Everything about God is worth copying. Everything about God is worth imitating. There is nothing about him that is not worth doing like he did. He has done everything perfectly. And since we are his children, we have a relational connection to God. Because we have this relational connection to God, this also affirms our status with God. We are his children. We are near to God. We can copy him and imitate him because we have access to God. We get to be up close and personal to God. Because we have access to God, personal access to God, we can therefore learn from him and begin to live like him. It's just like those you live with have personal access to you. They know how to copy and imitate you because they have nearness. They have proximity with you. It's the same is true with God. Because you are his child, you are invited into his family, and now you have relational connection with God, which allows you to see him up close and personal so that you can copy-paste his life into your life. Because we have status with God, this status also comes with this word assurance. So these three words, connection, status, and assurance. Status comes with assurance. This is important because as we become like God and strive to do everything God's way, we do so as already accepted by God. We have assurance. We do not earn status with God as children by being at our best behavior. We earn God's acceptance by believing and trusting in the best behavior, i.e. the perfect life of Jesus on our behalf. Therefore, as we strive to apply things into our life, and as we strive to grow, to become more of what we ought to be, as we strive to live the life we ought to live, we do so not to become accepted by God, but because we are accepted by God. And some of you, maybe even uh, those of you who might be visiting today or watching online or whatever, you have this conception of religion that we practice religion to be accepted by God so that we may earn something back from him. 
And if we keep on our P's and Q's and if we dot our I's and cross our T's and if we do everything just right, maybe, just maybe, God will love us. And there are many religions out there that would follow these kinds of paths as well. If you just live a certain type of life, maybe you can earn God's forgiveness and acceptance. Well, I just want to make it super duper clear this morning that that is not how Jesus works. Certainly not how Christianity works. The gospel message is that you and I are separated from God because of our sin. We cannot earn God's acceptance. We cannot overcome this gap that is between us and God because of our sin. We cannot do anything that earns God's love. We are in a, in a spot too dark, too far away, and we simply do not have the ability to earn God's love by doing good things. But God hasn't left it up to us to earn his love. God has taken the initiative, and he has loved us. Romans 5.8 says that God demonstrated his love for us in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So at the very point of your worst, what a simple gospel is this. When you are at your worst, God gives you his best. That's the gospel. Not when you become your best, God gives you his best. That's religion. When you are at your worst, God gives you his best. That's the gospel. And so, therefore, we live a certain type of life not to be accepted by God, but because in Christ we are already accepted by God. The point of the gospel is that Jesus lived a perfect life. The Son of God, Jesus Christ, lived a perfect life that you and I cannot live. He did it in our place, and when we put our faith and trust in him, we receive the perfect life of Jesus Christ. God, the Father, therefore sees us as perfect because of the Son. And now we begin to live to imitate God, not so that we can earn his favor and love, but because from a foundational point, he's already given it to us. All right? To my sports fans out there, you know, it's like, you, it's like learning to play better when you already signed the contract. All right? You, the guy, you're already getting paid. In the sports world, there's called guaranteed money. And it's like you could completely, your whole body could break the next day and you'd still get all this money. It's guaranteed. As soon as you sign the contract, there's an assurance that your performance does not dictate the terms of the contract. You could become the worst player in the league the very next day. You could completely use this. But once the contract is signed, there's a certain assurance given to you that allows you to handle struggle and allows you to grow and go up and down because it's not dependent on that. And the same is true now spiritually, much more so, that because of what Jesus has done, the contract between you and God is already signed, and your performance cannot change what has been signed in the blood of Jesus Christ. Therefore, you live with assurance. Some of you are living so anxious, and God wants, to live, wants you to live with assurance in his love for you. Part of the struggle of your life is that you are not resting in God's love for you, and God wants to give you that this morning. Stop trying to live in a way to earn God's acceptance and start living in a way because you are accepted by God through faith in Jesus Christ. So because we are God's children, we have connection, status, and assurance. These three realities of our life allow us now to copy his life and to live the life he has called us to live. Now, look at the flip side of this, is that for the most part, the lives you attempt to copy have little or no, you have little or no connection with and are certainly not concerned with giving you status and assurance. Imagine trying to copy the life of some celebrity to get what they have or to be like they are, 
But to realize then that you have no connection with them, no personal ties with them, and they certainly aren't relationally connected to you. They don't care about your status or giving you some type of assurance. But now you have this option of taking this from God to say, well, I can have status, connection, and assurance with God, who is the most important person in the world, and I can copy his life from a place of love and security, or I can choose another road with people who I don't have connection with, who have no status and assurance from, and I can copy their way of life, which is going to lead me towards depression and struggle and anxiety, hopelessness and despair. That's why many of you are in the places you're at this morning is simply copying the wrong life. Another way I want you to consider this, it says be imitators of God. You cannot uh, copy God if you're too busy comparing with others. So a, a phrase for you to write down is simply this, copy God, don't compare with others. Copy God, don't compare with others. So this is true for everybody, but I want to especially encourage, you know, the moms in the room this morning. The only person you're supposed to imitate is God. You don't need to imitate other moms or other things. You may learn from them, but you can simplify your life. Let me tell you this. Your goal is to not be as scheduled as that other mother, as fun as the other mother you see on Instagram, as well organized as the other mother you know, or to keep your house as clean as the other mother you know. Your goal is not to compare yourself to how well other mothers are doing or the things they're good at that you're not good at. Your goal in life is to compare and to only copy God. You're creating so much struggle within yourself to say you're comparing yourself to other people, trying to be like other moms in the ways that they're not, trying to be like other people when God has even gifted other people to do things that you can't do and he's gifted you to do things that they can't do. And all the while, the only thing God requires from you is not that you would become as good or as great as you perceive those around you to be, but simply that you would copy him and become like Jesus. Just simplify your entire life and say God has not required you or asked you to be everything else everyone is around you. But he has simply asked you, required you, and empowered you to be everything that he is for you already. And your comparison to other people, and as a mother, your comparison to other moms is taking away the joy of your motherhood. And it's taking away the joy of knowing God's love for you. God loves you regardless of your performance for him. And so you need to take this mindset, and everybody needs to take this mindset as well, to say the goal is to copy God, not compare with others. And when you copy God, you find peace, rest, assurance, connection. You walk in purpose. You live rightly on the path God has set out for you in a way that leads to blessing. All of these things are true when you copy God. But when you compare with others, you end up joyless, frustrated, discouraged, discontent, always feeling less than, never enough. So as you constantly compare with others, your mental, emotional, spiritual health goes down. But as you copy Jesus, your mental, emotional, and spiritual health goes up. Your well-being goes up. This is how this works. But because you're comparing others, you're not allowing yourself to copy God when there's so much more freedom in copying God. Copy God, don't compare with others. This applies to everybody as well in your own life. You're looking on social media. You're comparing your life to others. You wish you could do this that way or be like this or live like this or have this or have that. 
And because you're constantly comparing yourself with others, it's taking away your joy and it's taking your eyes off of Jesus who loves you regardless of how well you do in life who loves you regardless of whether you meet all the expectations that you would like, who loves you regardless of whether you get promoted or as great as this person or that person or make this much money or can provide for people in this way or that way. God's love for you is not dependent on anything that you can and cannot do. It's a given. And so your goal is to copy God, not compare with others. Comparison is taking away your joy in life. And I want you this morning to take it back. All right? Instead of setting your eyes on how everybody else is living their life, you have one simple goal, is to set your eyes on Jesus, to enjoy his love for you, and to simply try to live like him in return. And when you simplify your life into those very, very, very wonderful, profound, but simple categories, you're going to live a lot more free, a lot more at rest, a lot more at peace. All right? Here's the second thing, copy-paste the love of God. So copy-paste the life of God, and then you need to copy-paste the love of God. So it says, be imitators of God as beloved children, and then walk in love. That's the second command, as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So we're supposed to walk in love, that's the command. How? As Christ loved us. So the same question as before. What does God's love for us have to do with our walking in love? And here's just a phrase for you to write down. We're going to break this down into two parts. You say, how do I do this? How do I walk in love? Well, what you must do is this. You must be experiencing God's love as essential, and walking in love is sacrificial. So experiencing God's love is essential, and walking in love is sacrificial. These are the two realities that enable you to actually walk in love. So the first part, we'll break it down. Experiencing God's love is essential. So what does Jesus' love for us have to do with our love for him and for others? Well, Jesus himself said it in John 13. Let me read this to you. He says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You are also ought to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So that's how Jesus summarizes this command, to love one another as I have loved you. Meaning that we cannot truly love others until we are able to love them as Jesus has loved us. Jesus is the example and the inspiration for us. Here's something you ought to understand about your life, is that we cannot walk in love until we have settled into being loved by God. So here's the connection between the imitators of God as beloved children Walk in love as Christ loved us. So I can walk in love more powerfully when I'm settled into the reality that I am loved by God as his beloved child. When I am secure in who I am in God and in his love for me, I am free to walk in love and to extend that to others. But when I am always trying to fight for my place, I am not free to extend forgiveness because that may diminish my place. When I am always trying to fight or to struggle or to get what I want, I am not free to be generous because if I give away, I might not have what I want. But when I am secure in God's love for me and I realize everything he is is sufficient for me and his love is enough and my status, connection, and assurance are good because I am his child, now I become free to completely give my life away. 
But you cannot walk in love until you have settled into being loved by God. If the way I'm going to love others will cost me, I must know that I am loved by God, and I must believe that he will return to me, as the Bible says, a hundredfold, that which I have given to others. And obviously, a big part of that is heaven, you know. He's the, you give 10, you know, don't do this, say, give $10, he's going to give me a Ferrari, okay? That's not how that works. That's not what that means. But it does mean he's going to return to you blessing upon blessing in ways that are more significant than anything you can imagine. So we will walk in love, not to earn love, but because we are already loved. The only way you're going to really walk in love as a person of love is not to earn love from other people or from God, but because you're already loved. So sometimes we love to get something back from someone, and that diminishes our ability to love. When I need something to be back to me, then I am no longer free to truly love. That's why 1 Corinthians 13 says that love is not self-seeking. So the only way I can truly love is when I become freed from needing anything to be returned back to me. That I can forgive without you breaking peace with me. That I can love without you appreciating or saying thank you to me, right? Which is motherhood, right? All the moms out there, you're saying that's every day of my life, you know? I love and nobody says thank you, okay? Well, one day when they grow up, they will, okay? They'll realize, you know, as soon as I had kids, I said, oh, Mom, thank you. You're pretty great, you know? <laughs> Sorry I took it for granted all those years, you know? So it will, it will return, hopefully, one day to you. But we're only free to love when we're free to not need anything in return. The purest form of love is the one that is not self-seeking. So therefore, to really love means you have to be settled into being loved. Experiencing God's love, that's what I mean by experiencing God's love is essential. And some of you are not free to love others because you're not secure in God's love for you. The struggle you have, and to maybe some of my friends here who came with their moms and you don't really know the Lord and you're, who knows where you're at spiritually. Once again, we welcome you here. We love you. Maybe the diagnosis of some of your life is that it's difficult for you to love and to live simply because you're not settled in and secure in God's love for you. The simplest thing I would ever want to tell anyone is that Jesus really does love you. Not as like a Christian phrase. I just want you to sit and think about that. Jesus, the Son of God, really does love you. Like right where you're at, in the context of your life as it is now, he loves you. He loves you fully. He loves you forever. He does not just love the best version of you, the one you present to others. He loves the real version of you. He loves the version of you that actually nobody else even knows because he knows the depth of your thought and your heart. Sometimes you wonder, if everybody knew everything about me, of course they would never love me. And that's absolutely the opposite with Jesus. He does know everything about you. He knows more about you than you even know about yourself. He remembers every thought you ever had and every feeling you ever felt, things you don't remember. He remembers everything that you ever did, things that you forgot a long time ago, and yet he loves you anyways. Jesus loves you right where you are. I want you to know as well, maybe to some of you, that right in the midst of your rejection of him, and your denial of him, he still loves you. He never stopped loving you. Even if you've walked away from him, 
even if you may be completely rejecting him, the thing I would at least want you to walk away with today is to know for a fact that no matter what you may think and no matter how hard you try to run away and no matter what awful things you may say about Jesus, he still loves you. And he'll never stop loving you. And there will always, as long as you're alive, be an offer on the table to receive his love. But today's pretty urgent because who knows if this is your last one. He really does love you, and he wants you to know his love. Maybe some of you feel unloved by others, and that makes it hard to walk in. Maybe some of you have always found it really hard to fit in. And so because you're always fighting for place and trying to find where you belong, it makes it really hard to love others. If you include others, maybe yourself will be excluded. Maybe some of you have been hurt from a very young age. Maybe you were abused as a child. Maybe somebody that you were supposed to trust didn't treat you as they should have treated you. And now those situations and difficulties in life, or maybe somebody has betrayed you recently, these things and these relational struggles in life have made it really hard for you to love others. It makes it really hard for you to actually walk in love, real love, not fake love, not just do it for the gram love, real love, love that comes from the depth of your heart, love that really wants the best for other people, love that is pure, not self-seeking. You say these situations in your life have made it difficult to love others. And I just want you to know that God, in the midst of your mess, in the midst of your struggle and pain, he really does love you. And the only way you're going to be able to really love others out of the pain of your life, which we all have in a variety of ways, out of the disappointments of your life, out of the hurts of your life, the only way to move from the bottom of that pain and hurt and misery into a place of freedom and love is to be secure in the love of Jesus for you. I just want you to know that's the only path out. The only path towards any kind of life out of pain and relational hurt before, not that it makes it all magically go away, of course not, but the only possible answer and solution for you to live a life of love is to receive the love of Jesus for you, and then as you grow, to be able to extend the love of Jesus to others, even those that hurt you. This is why it's supernatural, supernatural love, not a feelings, goosebumpy love, not a fall in love. Remember we talked about a few weeks ago, anybody can fall in love. Nobody's impressed when you fall in love. Nobody's impressed by people falling in love. Say, wow, you're so, I'm so impressed by your ability to fall in love. Nobody's impressed by that. They're impressed by staying in love, staying committed. All right, this is the kind of love we want to be able to give others. But you can only give that love to others when you receive and walk in that love that Jesus has given you. So experiencing God's love is essential. So to my, my brothers and sisters in Christ in this room, this is one of the reasons why we need to be so committed to prayer together, to lighthouses, to groups, to spaces, to church services. None of these things we do just to be good Christians. What you're doing when you participate in serving our community or being in a service or going to a lighthouse is you're putting yourself in proximity to experience God's love which will take root in your heart and then allow you to freely go love others. You're giving yourself the opportunity to experience God's love, again, through other people, through brothers and sisters in Christ, through song, through prayer, through the word of God. And these things are taking root in your life. And because now the essential thing is taking place, you are secure in God's love, now you're able to go live. But like I said before, you will never be able to love others well until you are living secure in God's love for you. The second thing is that walking in love is sacrificial. So experiencing God's love is essential and walking in love is sacrificial. 
John 15, Jesus said, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than someone lay down his life for his friends. The ultimate display of love of Jesus was to sacrifice and give up his life. That's what it says here, who loved us and gave himself up for us. And now Jesus in this passage in John 15 makes the connection between loving one another as I have loved you, primarily by laying down your life for others. So how do you love other people as Jesus has loved you? Well, the main way you do that is by laying down your life for others. A simple summary of this for you to consider in your life is obvious, is that love is sacrificial, not selfish. A love that loves for selfish gain in return is not pure love. Love is completely and utterly sacrificial. Considering the good of others and considering the glory of God. Love is sacrificial, not selfish. This is how Jesus has loved us, by laying down his life for us. Therefore, the love we can return most to others, and the best way we can show the love of Jesus to others, the best way you can show the love of Jesus to your children, to your friends, to your spouse, to your parents, to your neighbors, to your coworkers, is to constantly be laying down your own rights, desires, and preferences so that you can serve and bless others. You are never more like Jesus than when you lay down your own life for the good of someone else. When you lay down your own desires for the good of someone else. When you lay down your own way for the good of someone else. When you lay down your own preferences for the good of someone else. When you lay down your own resources for the good of someone else. The closest thing to imitating Jesus is sacrificial love. And this is what love is built off of. Once again, this applies to everybody, but encouragement to the moms here this morning is that you are never more like God than when you give up yourself to serve others, especially your children. You are never more like God. The greatest form of love is sacrifice. Therefore, you are never more like God than when you are sacrificing yourself to serve others, especially your children who God has put in your care. It may feel like tiredness. It may feel like exhaustion. It may feel like frustration. But to God, this is a beautiful and holy thing. So I want to encourage you that when you feel the sacrifice, when you feel the tiredness, when you feel the burden, to take up the perspective of heaven, to see the smile of God, and to know that you are never more like Jesus than when you are laying down your life for someone else. And that the greatest thing, one of the greatest things you can ever do is continue to sacrifice and lay down your life. And when you feel like you're over it, when you feel frustrated, and when you feel burned out, when you feel tired, and when you feel uh, ungratitude, and all those different things that come your way, which are obviously come your way, which we all experience, but it is pretty unique to motherhood and all the wonderful things you guys do and how little credit you get for it, to say, take up the perspective of heaven. Remember how God thinks of the way that you're living in that moment and to know that if your desire is to be like Christ as a Christian, then you are never more like him than when you are sacrificing your life, your preferences, your sleep, your time, your schedule for the good of someone else. All right? You're not going to be a greater Christian by getting on a plane and flying to another country and stepping on new soil and trying to share the gospel with someone, which is amazing, and we should do that. But we're not going to glorify that and neglect waking up early, taking care of your kid who's crying, and showing them the love of Jesus by being patient with them. Okay? That's worthy of honor. It's worthy of respect. 
and God loves it, and he's very, he's very happy to see them, all right? So you should feel encouraged that when you do that, you are doing things that are just as significant as some of these other great gospel things you might think are wonderful. It's just as significant, and everything you do with that matters, all right? So be encouraged that all your sacrifice, the Lord sees, the Lord loves, and that you're never more like Jesus than when you're laying down your life for someone else. Finally, the last thing I want us to understand here is though we're called to imitate God, we can never actually do what he did for us. Let me explain. At the end of this, it says Christ died for us, basically for our sins. The phrase here is a fragrant offering, a pleasing aroma to God. So the idea now here is that Christ died for you and for me. We cannot die for him or in place of him, and I cannot die for your sins. You cannot die for my sins. Only Jesus can do this particular thing. And what Jesus did and what the gospel message is, is that you and I had sin that separated us from God. Christ, who is God, came down, and he died on the cross for our sin, meaning he received the punishment that you and I were due because of our sin. And this, the Bible says, was accepted to God the Father. Meaning that he said, okay, that is an acceptable sacrifice. And in what God accepted, now you and I can find our salvation. As I said before, the actual reality of the spiritual Christian life is that God wants you to plagiarize the life of Christ. To take what he has done and by faith receive it for yourself. Because only Jesus can do for you that which you really need. And no matter how hard you may try to serve and lay down your life for others and be like Jesus, only Jesus can die and take away your sin. And today, especially maybe for some of my friends who are new or maybe you're walking in these things and concerning these things, I want you to know that today God is offering you an opportunity to believe, to trust in Christ who is the only one who can do for you what you really need, which is to forgive your sins. So no celebrity, no influencer, no parent, no friend, no spouse, no child, no coworker, no boss, nobody in the world can do for you what you really need. But if you copy the life of Jesus through putting your faith in his work for you and begin to live like him, then this is the path to the life you were made for. Only Jesus and Jesus alone can provide for you what you need, which is forgiveness of your sins. And if you would put your faith and trust in him today, he is glad for you to plagiarize his life and to get credit for what he has done. Let me pray and let's respond to God. Heavenly Father, we love you. We honor you. We thank you for your love and kindness to us. I pray now that just as we sing and as we pray and as we respond to you, that you would work and that you would move and that you would call people to yourself and that you would encourage moms and everyone else, Lord, and and that you would minister to us in this moment, uh, and that you would lead us by your spirit. And so, Lord, we thank you for your love for us, and I just pray that you would allow us to rest in that and to give that love to others. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Why don't you stand up, and we're going to have a prayer, a couple prayer teams down front. If you need prayer, uh, if you want to believe and trust in Jesus, or if you just need prayer for encouragement, or Whatever it might be, uh, we'll have a prayer team down front. Please make it your aim not to go through some routine at the close of a service, but to respond to however the Lord is knocking on your heart now. And so we're here for you if you need prayer.